Happy Holidays from the Prince Charmings of Podcasting, Chris and Will. Happy Holidays. This holiday season, come celebrate with us during our Chris and Will's Holiday Celebration. Holiday music is now playing on our online radio station via the TuneIn app called Go Live. We have several specialty shows, including episodes airing of our new show called At Home Journal and episodes of another new show called Characters in the Box. And you know, we may even add some stuff during the season. Go to our official website at chrisandwill.com, on Instagram at chris.and.will, or on Facebook under The Real Prince Charmings. Happy Holidays from Chris and Will. Hey fans, we all love some good music. A variety of music. What if we could bring Chris Will Studios to you 24-7? That's a long work schedule. Maybe, but you know, we just might have it. The best variety of music from multiple decades live on your phone 24-7 with our Gay Orlando Live online radio station. Better known as Go Live. Download the TuneIn app and search for Go Live or go to chrisandwill.com for more info. So, tune in! you talking yeah and these two haven't stopped talking for three seasons <laughs> how did the pencil get so well educated oh i don't know what how because it was sharp <laughs> okay buddy Welcome to another great episode of the amazing show, What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yes! How are you guys? We hope you had a great Thanksgiving and, of course, getting into the celebration of all the holidays that are out there to offer. Yes, happy Thanksgiving! Today on the show, it's all about art and culture. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yes. But you know what? Let's talk a little bit about our Thanksgiving. We 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 had a good one. Yeah. Uh, it was relaxing. Of course, you know me. You know me gets gets sick right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And you know had a little procedure done, and I was sore as hell, and still is, still is. Can barely walk. I'm not going into details, but yeah. Let's just say. Um, we h- please take good pride and pleasure in your private parts <laughs> because, you know, when you have to have procedures and it's in the that area, you never really realized how much you they're important to you until it hurts like hell. No, nothing got removed. Just saying. <laughs> take that out of your, your, your eyes is that, um, you know... I have not decided to become a woman. Oh my gosh. I am still staying as a man. Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, I could never see myself as a woman. So I am not going to even attempt to try. Oh but unfortunately, it seems for the past two years, I've had procedures down there that I think fate's trying to make me become one. Oh my gosh. Uh, and um, oh my gosh. I, it just. 
Yes, yes. It's just, it's... That's so open-ended. Oh, my God. Yes. Well, the, they keep poking holes down there. I'm going to have a but sprinkler for... system in, eventually. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, gosh. I mean, it was done pretty much in the abdomen area. But, I mean, it's still closer to the groin area. But it hurts. Oh, my gosh. You you have to sit down and bend down. And you can't do that because it's all bruised. It looks colorful. Um, I'm telling you, I didn't know that they installed Christmas lights down there. But they apparently did because... They stay on all day and all night, and it's just so colorful. Oh it's just, gosh. it's so pretty. Oh my god! It's really so pretty. I'm, you know, I was gonna say I could put like um, um, <laughs> garland or something around there, but oh, that's called but, lace, and oh, I'm not wearing that. that. Okay. No, okay. but anyway, so yes. our Thanksgiving was good. We spent it with some friends and their kids, and uh, it was nice. It was nice and relaxing, and um, you know, it was a good little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what was interesting thing. is is uh um cuz it was a friends uh, kids there and we went ahead and uh had a little place uh place mats or markers that they wrote our names on and put yeah. them on the table. It I'm was like, cute. yeah. It was cute, 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 cute. It was cool and, and cute yeah. at the same time. Yep. Yeah. And one of the little girls had made a corn stuffing which was really good yes very very, very good. good yes very good but you know so we hope you had a great thanksgiving it was a little better than mine but um but mine turned out to be good so i'm not really complaining about it i'm just saying but that kind of goes into culture you know because that's going to be where our first topic is is we're going to be talking about culture because you know culture can mean so many different things and yes. i think that I think what was really funny is I think when you first came into the picture, you got a huge culture shock um, going into Louisiana and getting the deep ends of food. Oh, yeah. And seeing... I mean, my gosh, when you have what well, I used to call it, uh, cook, or as I've said it before, cooking for the masses. Yes. You know, I mean, I'm usually when I was used to like, okay, here, there's a main dish, maybe one or two things. That was pretty much it. No. Oh, oh my no, gosh. Oh, no, 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 no. My family knows how to eat. Yes, they do. <laughs> you said it. They so. <laughs> love to eat. Yes, they do. That is probably why diets never worked well for myself because I inherited all that eating and food and stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because it's like a big buffet. Golden Corral ain't got nothing on what we cook when you go into that house. And, <laughs> and it's, um, it's it, yeah. And then but on basically time, it stretches out on not just the table, okay, but then they have like a kitchen counter and then they, it's on the stove and you have plate or, or like, yeah, oh, like casserole dish after casserole dish. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot of food. And, and of course he had his first rendition of a fried turkey. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love fried turkey. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like oven baked, and we've had roasted turkey before, but I'm not a big fan of the roasted turkey. Um, but um, the fried turkey, I am. It's, it's not, people would think that it's totally dry. It's really not completely dry. Um, depends on how long you cook it. Yeah. But um, he had that. And then he had his first um, Christmas with the family, mm -hmm. and how everybody got together, and how big that house gifts with all those food all those people and then the gifts well it just um i was just he was blown so shocked away. I'm like, about how many like gifts how do everybody you get well because you all the gifts didn't fit underneath the tree no, they, they were don't. spread out around the tree and i'm like geez i was lucky if i got one maybe two gifts you know and then well then the whole 
one gift before, you know, on Christmas oh, no. Eve. But come on. No, 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 no. Like, Santa filled the living room on Christmas <laughs> yeah. for us. It was I always, saw that. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, filled the living room. And then when we had other family gatherings, they all, everybody got at least almost 12 gifts each. At least 12 gifts. And, you know, of course, the old, the, the elders get more, but still. Um, yes, always a tradition. In fact, growing up, um, when the external family would get together, which would be aunts and uncles and so forth, um, it would be even bigger because then you had more people. And then I think one gathering, which we didn't do on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, we usually did it the weekend before Christmas, mm -hmm. they would come over and we'd cook and we'd do all the same thing and blah, blah, blah. And then one year we actually went to the Myrtles for the nighttime oh, candlelight the plan tour. The yes. plantation. On Christmas yeah. at the haunted house in, in Louisiana, we did that. And we would do other things. Sometimes we would go to see Christmas lights when Baton Rouge used to do the big Christmas displays. And we used to do a lot of that um, for the holidays as well. But I'm going to tell you, Willie wasn't around when I was growing up. And the other side of the family was a bigger family that I had. <laughs> And he's met all of them from that side of the family. And let me tell you, during Christmas time, if one gift sucked, I had a lot more to go because my 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 grandmother on that side had seventeen kids, seventeen, and only fourteen of them were were alive at the time. Mm. Um, but she had seventeen kids. So imagine when you're a child and you go to that gathering for Christmas, and you're like, oh, wow. I got 14 gifts to go. One's bound to be a good one. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, my grandmother, which he met, she was, she cooked for the masses as well. Yes. I think that's where you learned it from. Yes. And, you know, she would always, always loved it because every time, you know, it was funny because every time Willie would walk in the house, she would run past me and go, Willie! Yes, she that's would. That's why she would squeal, Willie. If because she had to make sure that I would sit at her kitchen counter, and she already had stuff. She had a whole buffet. She yep. goes, we got to feed you. And she did. Yep. She did. Mm -hmm. She did. So she really, you know. So he had that, that fair. But that's just culture, I guess. That was just back in, back what we did growing up. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I know it sounds kind of silly, but for me, I made sure I rented at least a Nintendo game to play before Thanksgiving dinner because, well... I don't know. For me, getting together, it was we had to dress up. You know, wear nope, we didn't. wear like formal <laughs> clothes, like your nice pants and nope, nice. Nope. We uh, only did that because a tradition that my parents wanted to do was go to midnight mass, and and my mother still loves to do that now, which we try to do that for her because she doesn't really get to do it much. But um, you know that the tradition behind that was. You had to stay up long enough to go to midnight mass, and then you had to go to bed afterwards because Santa was coming. And so mm -hmm. that was the, the biggest tradition with that was. And then I remember we would always, you know, my brother and sisters would always, we'd always wake up at four, five in the morning, run to the living room, go see what we went and what we got, opened all the presents. Oh, really? That early? Oh, yeah. We oh, my gosh. You were so fortunate. Oh, no, my parents didn't. We didn't open presents in front of them unless there was a few that they wanted oh, us to okay. open. Oh, so, okay, so, so, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, no, no, that didn't happen. For me, what it was, it was like after 5 or 6 o'clock, you turn on the radio and Christmas music would start no. playing. Because that was back in the day when Christmas music wouldn't play so early 
on. Um, but usually what would happen is I would wake up around like seven o'clock or so and then see um, if there were any presents, well, if see what presents were down there. And then I had to wait for my parents to wake up. Then I had to wait for my parents, um, especially my mom, to call all the relatives or the relatives called her. And then when that was all done, done then we can open our presents. No, no, we didn't do that. If there were presents that our parents... My parents wanted us to see, or, or they wanted us to watch us unwrap them. We did that with the internal family uh, the weekend. Because the external family would get together. The aunts and uncles would get together the weekend before Christmas. Uh -huh. And then the internal family, which was the brother and sisters and then their kids or their husbands and wives, would we would get together on Christmas Eve and we do we do gifts then oh, and then Santa would come so gotcha. when Santa came that was all free for all so we did Santa before they even woke oh, up okay so so um I forgot to mention that I got to open one gift on Christmas Eve before bed and it was usually the gift that had my new pajamas on it but I think there was one year I remember where um I didn't get to open up my presents I think it was almost like ten or eleven o'clock in the morning. No, I had to wait that long. No, no, because they were already open before they woke up. So when they You're woke, so lucky. when they woke up, they <laughs> saw that, oh, they saw their presents, and then they would ask us how we because we'd just go back to bed, and then we'd wake up and we'd watch the traditional Christmas shows or whatever, and then family would generally family wouldn't call, family would come over uh -huh. on Christmas Day because everybody was local except for the ones that were pretty much out of state. If they were out of state, then yeah, we got a call from them. But they usually called around afternoon and evening. Oh, gosh. In a sense. Wow. So, yeah, that was pretty much how we went. But for us, for Chris and Will, the traditional thing that Chris and Will does. Yes. Is what we do is we actually sleep in front of the Christmas tree. The yes. The Christmas tree stays on for at least 24 hours. Yes. And we have Christmas music playing, yes, too. And um, we sleep in front of the tree. Yep. Uh, we have Christmas music and blah, blah, blah. And we. We, um, well, we would even bring well, we would bring the mattress off the bed and put it on the floor. We would, we would. But you know what? I think that's going to be different this year because we're going to have people here. Oh, we've never actually had people, uh, family here at our place on Christmas that's Eve. That's right. Day. We've never had that out of the twenty something wow, years right. that we've been together. We've yeah. never had family with us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at our place, unless we were over there, Right, we did. right, right. But here in Florida, we never did. So this year it's going to be a little bit different. We still are going to, because the couch makes out into a bed, so we'll still be able to sleep in front of the Christmas tree on Christmas. Uh, we'll still be able to have that tradition, but uh, we'll have something a little different this year. So, so well, yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, that'll bring us some, a lot of good luck. But, in, um, but that's our tradition. Um, yeah. Other than our huge decorations that we do. Oh, yes, of course. Our Christmas parties that we do, all kinds of different things. And then when we were in California, if we were in California and working, which there were a couple of years that we've yeah. done that, mm -hmm. uh, where we were over in California working, we would actually decorate the hotel room. Yes, we would. Yes. We would. Yes. And we, yes, go ahead. And it was funny because the, the maids would always call the other maids to come, look, look, they decorated uh -huh. their, their room. Yeah. And it's like, well, we kind of have to because. I mean, even if it's the smallest little thing, I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, we would just go buy decorations, uh -huh. lights, yep. know, all kinds of stuff and just mm -hmm. deck it out because we couldn't be home for Christmas. It was, I mean, we would have the well, option to go home. But the problem of it is, is because we were doing stuff 
and it wasn't allowing us to do that. Right. Or but, we had plans, yes. and it wouldn't make sense for us to leave and then come back. Mm-hmm. So we just, we kind of just stayed. But what I loved is that we still had ornaments, and we had a tree. It was tiny, we but we still had one. We did, and I think we still have all that stuff, too. Yes, we do. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, we actually do, because it's up. It's I, it's up, I remember. Yeah. Um, well, you know, those those little ones, you know. Yes. and Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. That's what's important. And the memories of culture, create your own stuff. That's why culture exactly, is Exactly, yes. You know, yes, everybody's had bad times. There's been some bad times in life. History does that, but you learn from that. That's why, why, that's why it's important to understand and learn from culture and not take it away. Because, <clears throat> again, this is just my opinion. But when you take down certain things like statues or you take down certain artifacts because they assemble something that was bad, that you think is bad, that's not going to make it go away. Honestly, it's not. The history and the past and those memories are always going to be there. They're never going to go away. Maybe you don't have to look at it. That could be a good reason to do it. But at the same time, you know... The best way I have gotten through, you know, because I live in the deep south, grew up in the deep south. The best way that I was educated on how to deal with certain things in the deep, deep south was learning and understanding that I don't have to repeat that past. And I like that perspective, though, because growing up. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it, well, that wasn't even it wasn't educated. thought of like that. It was. It was one-sided. Well, you know? the thing of it and is, I didn't, again, I didn't back then, um, you know, history was taught in the classrooms. And in fact, Louisiana history was taught in the classrooms. Yes, yeah, I don't remember, and like, I think it history. was important because I'm going to tell you, this is, this is, this is why I, I remember it the most. Believe it or not, the, the most precious woman, and she was an older black woman who taught Louisiana history. She taught me Louisiana history, and she's gone to all of our family events. She went to my sister's wedding shower. Oh, yes, yes, And yes. stuff like that. She was a wonderful woman. And the reason I say that is because she taught us how to see the things the South did in her, of, of her background. Mm-hmm. She taught us how to understand how she sees it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if we educate more like that, then it brings more of a perspective. Because, you know, our elders they're closer to that ancestry time than we are. So we have to look at it and say, well, how were you taught it? You know, how did you go through this if you went through it? You know, tell me your feelings about it when you have to see it or talk about it. And when they teach you that, then you understand it better and you have a better respect of life as a whole, in my opinion. Um, Because again, you never really know what people are going through until you're educated by that person. And you understand from that person's point of view, because we could go back and forth and say, well, you're not this and you're not that. Of course we can. Absolutely. We can go back and forth. But the, the real key of it is, is you're not going to understand my background as much as I'm not going to understand yours until we educate each other and on then, how to get through it. And yeah. not only that, but then you have two cultures and then, well, maybe there's a, there's a, what is it I want to say? You learn from each other, and then there may be something in there that maybe both are missing that. Yeah. And, and then it can be a simple, hey, you know what? Absolutely. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. So I think that's I mean, the best. I mean, again, 
there are certain things, yes, we need to change and get rid of that symbolize certain stuff. I get that. And I agree with that. But, you know, to make a difference in the world is to be the difference in well, the that's, world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's what we need to, to, to make a better place, no matter where we are, who we are, our background or who we like, whatever, is to set the example on why it's important for us to change. Yeah. In my opinion. You have and to that's be why, the, yeah. Yeah, you have to be the change. You yeah. have to be the example. And that's why culture yeah. is important. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why culture is important. So let's go to the next topic. Art. I love art. I actually, um, I used to be an artist, actually. Not a professional one, but uh, I did a lot a of very, art. A very, very good one I like that, yes. I was taught by a great teacher out in uh, Louisiana in high school. Did it for several years. Won several competitions yeah, I've uh, been awarded with several things. And on top of that, I actually did a lot of different drawings that I still have at home when I started working for Disney. I haven't done it in years. Um, I think the last one that you did, you asked me to fill in the rest of it. Um, you know which possibly, one I'm talking about? I guess. Possibly. I don't remember. I think the last time I drew was probably 2001. Yeah, that's the that's the one I'm referring yeah. to. Yeah, I can't remember which piece it was. But again, at the end of the day, it was it's a passion. I love it. I it's it's a getaway. It's therapy in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing it because I was getting too busy and my patience was running out and you know, when you're tired and you got so much going on and you got so much in your head, it's really hard to go back into that. And uh, we will be going back into that. And I'm excited to be going back into that. Yeah. Because I think that uh, that therapy is well needed at this point. Because at that point of our life, we were just determining our career. And we were just determining Chris and Will. Oh, yeah. We were just deciding, you know what, is this is this nitwit going to be my person for the rest <laughs> of my life? Please. You know, um, <laughs> that's we were just deciding that because, you know, we were young. And, you know, back then, again, it... Um, the understanding, the openness that they have now wasn't exactly oh, yeah, there, if no, that, at any. Yeah, yeah. And so times were different. So mm -hmm. it took a little bit of time for us to adjust with it. You know, yeah. I can't say that that's, that that's changed because I don't know. I'm not at the age of a younger person right now right. that can say that. I'm but not there, it, uh, the culture is more, uh, um, it's more, I don't want to say out there, but it's more visible. There we go. It is visible. It's it is visible. And you know, the one thing I love about art, period, is there's no one set standard. Which is amazing, by the way, because yes. I mean you could draw somebody could draw something and you look at it one way, somebody looks at it another way, or you both see the same thing. I you mean do. And it, I love yeah. that because that's the best thing about art is there's no set standard. There's no set way. There's no set vision. It's there's it's just basically art is art. You go and you do what you can, you can, your heart feels and is a message to it. That's, that's but really you what notice, it goes to. Okay. So silly, silly, but the word art is in the word heart. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, so it if is. you look at it from that perspective, I mean, maybe it's drawing it from like within your heart or drawing it from within you or, or I don't know. And, elaborating well, on that asked what makes you know. a good artist and i said them being themselves exactly yes yes that's make that makes a great artist mm -hmm. the emotions behind whatever the story they're telling the um the passion the 
the help they're asking from you, the help that you're giving to them, the development of fulfillment, all those different things is what makes a great artist. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they put themselves in a position and the rest of the world doesn't exist to them at that point. When they're draw, when you're an artist and you're doing something like, like for me, what I the best thing I do right now is I produce and I write. So when I'm in the zone of writing, the rest of the world don't exist to me. Willie don't exist to me, and that's fine. <laughs> I guarantee you, when Willie walks in the door, tries to say something to me, I will literally tell him, "Get freak out of here." <laughs> I'm in the zone. Don't bother me. Usually what I can do is I sneak around the corner enough where he can't see me. And I can tell. If- he gets that now. Before, he was just like, he would just stand there. And I'm like, if you don't go away, I am in the okay, middle of something. Okay, so, okay. So, so now he's like, he knows when Chris is writing, unless it's extremely important, leave him alone. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's sort of like, um, uh, um, um, a, photo, uh, a photographer uh, taking pictures of like nature and art you know you're just catching that moment and it's sort of when you're in that zone it's sort of like for me it's like I'm looking at you doing what what you do and it's beautiful well that's what art is you it's know the best I mean stories it's, told yeah I mean it really is it's whether it's relatable or not I mean those are, artists are the most creative people on the planet and i think that we need to have more of them anybody can be an artist anybody can do anything that they want to do they just got to put themselves in the position to do it Mm -hmm. you know you just got to tell yourself i want to do this i want to draw i want to do all that stuff so who do you think would be the best artist that drawing artist wow best drawing art artist i don't know well yeah um i mean there's so many out there i mean but yeah i would say picasso but I mean, if you're drawing artists, but I mean, then there's also um, Monet. like Monet and sculpting, like Michelangelo yeah. and uh, Da Vinci, and and I love museums that display all that stuff because you can yeah. stand in there for hours. It's like going to a library; you can uh-huh. stand in there for hours. It's but great. or you could just look at paintings, and like they could be really simplistic, or they could be very um have a lot involved in it you know, and you could pick out one certain spot and then say this is what this means or you could just look at it from afar and say but that's like a piece of the best thing is when you get a, pho- a photograph of a person and you can paint or or draw and see that person and see the many emotions that this person their traits and see how they are yeah. and identify them by that that artistic piece by something that is that something as as small as a hair that's out of place that says okay that signifies his dark side uh, or wow. something yes that's the best i think i think absolutely yes. well you know the there's two that i forgot to mention so we mentioned uh, michelangelo and lear and, Le- and da vinci you forgot Raphael and Donatello. Oh, you're so full of it. <laughs> you're so full of it. But you know what? I would so love to continue on with this topic because we could go on forever. Yes. But we have to take a breather really quick. And we have to help make this season on amazing one we have to keep we have to keep supporting it yes because we got a lot of supporters that are making it yes. all happen yes so don't go nowheres we'll be right back 
Twas the night of a million lights, when all of the village was lit up with over a million Christmas lights. I couldn't believe my wandering eyes as I looked around as over 100 magnificently lit villas told me a story. And now I wondered, was I dreaming or is this real? When all of the sudden Santa appeared for a meet and greet surrounded by holiday fun. It's the night of a million lights at the Give Kids the World Village going on November 12th through January 2nd in Kissimmee, Florida. Chris and Will recommend this holiday event to all that want to help a good cause and feel the magic within themselves this holiday season. You can go to our website at chrisandwill.com for more details. GKTW.org is their website for more information and to purchase your ticket to this grand holiday event. Nights of a Million Lights at the Give Kids the World Village, 210 South Bass Road, Kissimmee, Florida, 34746. It was then we realized we all had a good night and how we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. Hi, I'm Cammie, and I want to tell you about one of the most amazing places in the world, Give Kids the World Village. It's a magical place where kids with critical illnesses come from all over the world for one amazing week. They get to visit Central Florida's coolest theme parks, celebrate at nightly parties, and enjoy delicious meals. And it doesn't cost them a thing. To learn more about how this magical place works and how you can help, visit GiveKidsTheWorld.org. All right, we're back. Yay! Yay! We want to thank all of them for participating in our Christmas celebration. We're so excited to have them a part of our celebration and part of our culture, our new culture now, mm -hmm. and our art, you know, our own art. So it's it's extremely, extremely exciting. And, you know, that's what, um, that's what makes us into the next topic really, really quick. Any art of living. Kind of Ooh. a complex little, little deal right there. Yeah. It's kind of like what I was saying. Art can be anything. It can it can send messages. Mm -hmm. It can you know educate. It can give us strength, development, worthiness, trust, talent, um, ways to connect one another. I mean, yeah. just out of you know, I think that I think going to an art museum is probably the most perfect date because you can tell the difference on whether or not this person is adaptable to you or going to work out with you. Yeah. Because if they're willing to spend time with you and understand the art like you are, then and they're going to understand you for life. Well, not friend. only that, but listen to how you interpret the art and yes. you listen to them, then, yeah, I would believe that's a match. Art describes a lot. And there's so much in it, but yet there's – it's just – one like yes obviously uh, yeah. if you can tell we love anything about art oh and yes talent, yes yes of yes. course we absolutely adore it but and, I, one thing i love too about art is that it you know it can be serious it could be fun it can be light it can be a hobby you know it could be something that is just oh yeah the smallest of things like landscape photography like if you want to take a picture of the ocean or a tree or and you know, something and you were you were introducing the kids uh our friends kid daughters to little sketches that you were doing and yes they were i did just, they were just they they were just going crazy and with i it. got them involved in the process because you know usually when i draw like um, cartoon characters and stuff, and it's nothing major or anything. But I usually just draw it like quick. But they, they had this really interesting light board, and it had different uh, colors on it. 
Um, so they were choosing the colors for like the skin, the hair, the colors of the shirt, and even like the names of the characters. I would ask, where do you want to write the names? And how big do you want me to write it? They, they can, were involved. Yeah, they got involved because it tells a story. Yeah. It tells a story. But that's what the show is about today. Today we have a wonderful guest on our show. Oh, yes, yes. Wonderful guest. A little different than what we normally do, but we love it. Yes. We love it. Todd Burroughs is our special guest. He is from the Atelier School of Arts. See, Willie can say that. I can. I hey, well, I can. as I've told both of them, uh, I've told Todd and uh, Ashley. I said, you know what? I have to make sure I pronounce this the way the French do. <laughs> yes. Well, you do good on it. He teaches many types of artistic classes. He's going to be a part of our at-home journal show. Yes. yes. We're going to be doing a lot of different work with him, of course, and his studio. He offers online classes to the public, and they are based out in Royal Oaks, Michigan. Yeah. That shows how connected we are to everybody here in the States, because um, we're going to be spending some time with him. We've had some great conversations with him. We enjoy everything about it, and you're going to love them just as much as we love them. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to give Todd a call, get him on the phone, talk to him about his amazing studio and how you can get involved. And we're all just going to have a great old little time. Yes. Sit back, relax. Todd Burroughs is coming up. Chris and Will introducing you to an amazing getaway. For the first time, we both treated ourselves to a day of pampering. If you're in the Tampa, Florida area, then please make sure to treat your own self to a day like we did at Spa Nirvana, a sanctuary for face and body, a spa day for men and women. The staff is so friendly, the place is clean, looks amazing, and the best of it, they're following the safety guidelines during these current times. Truly a professional environment. The cost isn't bad neither. Make your appointment today. Imagine a day where you can get the most incredible stress-free relaxing massage, body work, facial rejuvenation, and microdermabrasion. They have so much more to offer, including their signature facial services, including an aluminum oxide-free crystal microdermabrasion facial, the lifting facial of mature skin, and the most comprehensive, purifying, deep cleansing facial. Plus, you just can't beat the environment of soothing music healthy snacks and drinks and you just have to see it for yourself guys it's totally worth it this is a weekly thing for us now and i can't wait to go again this is a chris will highly recommendation spanirvana.com is the website you can go to chrisandwill.com for the link as well spa nirvana 811 court street clearwater florida 33756 call 727-447-7546 to make your appointment today. Services are by appointment only and they are filling up fast. So treat yourself, your inner self, to a vacation day at Spa Nirvana. This holiday season, we want you to know we have your back. Sometimes the holidays can be hard, but always know our love for you is endless. Yes. Part of our brand is to help and continue to help. Help is what is needed sometimes just to be able to focus and focus the right way. Life can take a toll on you and sometimes we just want to give up. Please do not. Just like with us, you will survive all of this. And no matter the current times, we are all going to live happy. We have created the Best Friends Forever Foundation, completely managed by us and our team, totally funded by our company. It is built with you in mind. You need someone to talk with, be your friend, offer you help, or just be your chat friend, well, we can help. 
You need help? We will set you up and pay for you to get help from the best doctors in the country. Believe me, we are in it for you. Our goal is to have assistance available to you whenever needed, even if it is to talk. We want to have a safe house for you to go to to get more assistance. These facilities will be nearest to you and guaranteed to be there for you. In dedication of celebrating you this holiday season and giving you love with awareness, we have multiple LGBTQ merchandise available online to wear close to your hearts. Proceeds go directly into our foundation. Two exclusive pins, holiday ornaments, and a once-in-a-lifetime personalized Hallmark Christmas card to help you get into the holiday spirit. Go to ChristenWill.com for all the details. In hurry, there's only a limited supply. Get your order in today so you can meet the few delivery dates this holiday season. Remember, you are loved. We love you. Love yourself, and the world will love you in return. Happy Holidays from Chris and Will. This holiday season, learn to explore your inner talents by challenging your creative side and learn to paint. Chris and Will introduce you to give yourself or someone else the gift of unlocking the artistic magic by becoming an imaginative student at the Atelier School of Art. From pre-K to adult courses, you can take your course either in person at their studio in Royal Oak, Michigan, or do what we are doing and take a course using Zoom professional instructors, a great environment, and you don't have to worry. They're all on Santa's nice list. Connect yourself to the talent you didn't know you had and establish a new family of other artists alike. Join us as we highly recommend this fantastic studio. So come make some magic this holiday season and shine with a gift that will always be giving. Drawings, smartphone photography, oil paintings, and more are waiting for you to learn, create, and connect at the Atelier School of Art. For more information or to register for your course today, go to www.atelierschoolofart.com or you can go to kristenwell.com for the link. Atelier School of Art, 407 East 4th Street, Royal Oak, Michigan, 48067. Call them today at 248-951-4400. Atelier School of Art wishes all a very Merry Christmas and the happiest new year. We are honored to welcome Todd Burroughs from the Atelier School of Art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I live in Chicago for a while, and apparently I'm just drawn to terrible winters. Um, I understand you guys are in Florida. Yes. Which, you know, so many people from around here flee to your state every winter, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> seeking a little bit of sunshine and humidity, you know. Oh, yeah. See, we don't we don't have those kind of winters here. I think if, uh, if it ever snowed in Central Florida, which I want to say at one time in history it has, but if it ever snowed like up north in Florida, then, um, pardon my French, I guess that means that hell is freezing over because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it would just it would be wonderful for us because people would we never see that kind of stuff. But um, it would also be horrible because Floridians do not like cold weather. No, no, <laughs> uh, or at least yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we went somewhere. Um, my- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my father-in-law lives uh, uh, down in Florida, um, and you know we've gone a couple of times, you know, during the winter, and you know, you know, it'll drop to I don't know eighty degrees, and people will be putting on jackets and yes. whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's all what you're accustomed to, huh? 
Yes. Well, you know, there have been a few times where it's gotten below 20 degrees, but that's yeah. as, that's as bad as it's gotten. Yeah. Um, but uh, we went oh, to wow. um, we 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 drove to Flagstaff. Yes. Actually, oh my goodness. Because <laughs> we were going to spend time at the Grand Canyon, and you know, here we are. It's like September. I think we were. It was September or whatever. And it was snowing in Flagstaff, and we all we had was shorts, and mm-hmm. everybody local was laughing at us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, in September in in Florida, it's still hot, so it's like that's all we don't have those type of winter clothes. Yeah, um, you know, and I'm not gonna go buy any special for just a one time deal. But <laughs> well, maybe you guys have a traveling wardrobe, right? Because you guys have a documentary that you're going to be driving yes. around promoting, right? Yes. Well, we're working on that. We we're, we have a designer that um, we're now working, they've set us up with. So they're designing his clothes for the specific night. So I guess what I'll have them do is just go look for us to have a winter wardrobe so we can add to it. <laughs> you know, there you go. Something with long johns underneath it. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I have to say one thank you again for being on the show. This is a, definitely a one of a kind and a good one of a kind at that. Uh, we went through a lot of the work that uh, you have mm-hmm. posted online and that you sent us as well. And I just have to say, um, I think our mouths dropped. Drops. That yes. We almost had to call <laughs> the fire department to lift <laughs> them back up. Um, yes. I. I what. What's some incredible work. So I guess tell me a little bit about your studio and give me a little bit about your background. Okay. So just so you know a little bit about me, um, I've been an art teacher for over 20 years, and I've uh-huh. taught in a bunch of different settings. So there's a pretty famous design school in Detroit called the, uh, the College for Creative Studies. And I've taught in museums, art centers, and I in 2018, I finally pulled the trigger on setting up my dream school, uh-huh. which is what I want to talk with you about today. It's called Atelier Art Studio, and it's rooted a little bit in French academic painting ideas from the 1850s, Ooh. but it also is a very contemporary school, too, where we've got iPhone photography instructors, and we've got digital illustrators, and you know, so it's a, very much a living, breathing um, school that is set up to bring, you know, high quality uh-huh. education, but also a really warm sense of community with it, which is one of the essential parts of what we do. And what I really wanted to do with the opportunity to make a school is that I wanted it to stand on two legs. You know, right. one of the things that you know, was really, really important to me is that when people come, they get, you know, the best quality education that they can, but that can also feel really vulnerable for people. Mm -hmm. So baked into our DNA is the idea of that it's a warm, supportive community. And that's been uh, something that's been really, really important to me as we set up the school because, you know, I had my own experience as an art student. Mm-hmm. Right. And I went to school in Chicago and the program that I was in wasn't the perfect fit for me. Mm, right. Um, you know, so I ended up leaving that program and traveling around India for about five years. 
Wow. And I'm sorry, I, that five years, I guess I misspoke for six months. Uh-huh. But I, when I came back, I studied privately with a gentleman for five years who was a uh-huh. professor I had had at another school. And he had studied painting in France in this tradition. And that's really where I learned how to learn. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, what I, you know, wanted to bring into this school. Now, let me, this is a great question that, that we almost scratched our head with. Now, how many times when, when you have people that see your art for the first time, how many times do you hear, is that actually a painting or a, photo, a, a photograph? <laughs> all the time, all the time. Because it really you know, does look yes. like photographs. Wow. That's how yes. detailed it is. Well, thank you. And, you know, and what that comes from is, it's one of the things that we try to instill in artists is to observe the world around you, uh-huh. right? And and that's, you know, whether you're painting something and you're really looking at all those little tiny adjuster muscles and all the little fine details in anatomy or whatever it is you're painting, but, you know, we encourage people to bring that into other parts of their lives too. And, you know, one of the things I hear all the time so I do hear that it looks just like a photo, but one of the things I hear all the time from students that you know have learned to paint or draw in this method is that the world looks really different to them, that, oh. it, that it's different than what they initially thought it was. And um, I want to give a shout out to you guys because I was listening to some of your podcasts and uh-huh. there was an interview that you had done with Sterling Meyer. And oh. One of the things that made me really exciting to talk, excited to talk with you guys about was you hit something that just strikes a chord with me. And you guys were talking about the ability to change your mind. Yes. Oh, it was yes. the first part of your, and, and I loved that because that's one of the things that we do as part of learning to make art is we practice that essential skill of changing our mind all the time. Right. We'll look at something and we'll have an idea of what it is. But when we go back and take a second or third look at it, you know, a lot of times we change our mind about what it is we're seeing. And it's something I loved about your guys' discussion that day. And it's really relevant to what our people do. Well, thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, it's it's what you almost have to live by nowadays yeah. because you you really yeah. just have to be you have to be flexible I I say um, and you have to be flexible with yourself mm-hmm. because some of the biggest struggles that I think that we've dealt with in the past and sometimes we deal with now is the ability that taking away the thought of force change to voluntarily changing. Because if I was mm-hmm. to, like with the pandemic, if I was to say that I had to force myself to change because I can't go nowhere and travel, then that's where the depression's going to kick in because mm-hmm. of one word, forced. Whereas if I just say, okay, I'm voluntarily taking a break and just chilling and doing what I have to, then it's going to allow me to settle myself in the process. And mm-hmm. so having that ability to really change your mind and change everything around you almost gives you a different perspective that we don't see a lot. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It, it, you know, there's this idea called the growth mindset, right? Which uh-huh. is that when you're faced with a problem, you don't see it as problematic, right? right. That, it, that it's an opportunity that there's something interesting there to solve or a challenge to figure out, you know, that if you can be in a situation where, you know, something comes up and rather that like that is different than what you thought, right. Or uh, that's new information or there's a surprise, right. None of us really expected right. the pandemic, you know, but if you can, you know, find a path to look at that as an opportunity to grow or to learn or to understand the world better, you know, it, it, gives you a lot of emotional resources, yes. right? Because, yeah. you know, if you're talking about the depression that comes with that, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, really hit us so hard about the pandemic is we were designed just by our very nature to be a very social entity right. you know, for us. You know, our focus is on art making, but it's also on the artist, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, creating an environment where, you know, they're supportive people in the same studio with them, you know, that, you know, if someone comes in and they've never picked up a paintbrush before, it can be really intimidating Uh until they meet their group of 10 new friends who have been in that same boat and are there and supportive and, you know, encouraging of them. And it's great for those people that are on the encouraging side of it because they get to, you know, take on sort of a mentorship role and uh-huh. that, that ability to say, you know, you know, take this risk, go, go do something, change your mind about what it is to, you know, go into this different environment. You know, it, um, I don't, it's one of the most meaningful things that we get to do. Right. And I agree. And I yes. agree. It, it's mm-hmm. almost uh, like I say many things that we do. It's almost like a person's therapy in a sense. Yeah. It's their it's their mm-hmm. way to rediscover themselves through whatever's going on in their life, um, you know, or that particular day, I should say. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So what do you think that or how, how would I word this? Uh, let's see. How important do you think the role of art in today's society is? I love this question. I, I love <laughs> it because it is, you know, the role of art in today's society is something that, you know, it, it's such a it's such an incredibly special time to be an artist. You know, one of the things I tell my students all the time is that we live in the golden age of creativity. Uh-huh. There's never been more people with resources to study something, you know, like through either the internet or, um, you know, the openness of knowledge, Mm -hmm. right. They exist in the arts. Now, when I was first learning to paint, that was not the case. Artists were very secretive. It Uh it was like pulling teeth to just figure out how to lay out a palette or make a specific type of medium. And now, you know, there's mountains of, content available that people can consume independently or there's organizations like ours where we've got you know this great team of artists who are so generous in the sharing of their knowledge that you know it it fits the time that we live in you know this Uh really creative time that we 
are in because, you know, you know, you, p- people look at different periods of art, you know, say it was right. yes, know, the yes. Renaissance or the Industrial Revolution, which is when Impressionism came out. And they think, oh, those were amazing periods to uh-huh. create in. But there's never been more resources, more people creating, um, more communication. You know, this is throughout history, this is the best time to be an artist. It really is. Right. You know? And, or just any creative person. It doesn't even have to be art. You could be a filmmaker, a software coder, um, you know, a dancer, a musician. You know, uh-huh. it's one of the things that we plaster all over our stuff is a Walt Whitman quote, which is I saw that on your website. Joy. Oh, did you? Will? I, I did. I, yes. <laughs> Can you repeat that for our yeah. listeners? I'm sorry, I uh, yeah. overstepped you there. No. No, absolutely. I'm glad that you were excited about it. I love it too, you know, and it's that do anything, but let it produce joy, you know. Yes. yes. Specifically, we're about art, but, you know, this is this is a really special time that we live in. And, it, and it's true. And, you know, for us, at least for me, uh, the pandemic to me was... It, it was a golden opportunity, I think, brought down from fate that every creative talent or artist themselves wanted and needed and doesn't ever get in their life to where life was pretty much at a standstill. It was okay. You didn't really have to worry about anything. All you had to do is just sit at the desk and let your creative juices go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was great because ideas kept sparking and things just kept popping up and you know our poor documentary we have changed it i don't know how many times <laughs> during the the covid uh thing because then you you look at it at one moment and then the next day you're like uh, i think i can do better and a bigger idea comes in until finally you had to get to the point to where you're settled with the way it was and it took even through this year for us to be settled to say all right, um, you know, this is it. This is the final one. Yeah. I mean, we have 12 mm-hmm. different versions of the documentary and people laugh at that. And I'm like, well, that's because at one moment we saw it this way mm-hmm. and in another moment we saw mm-hmm. it this way. And so to pick the final one, we had to go through the list and say, okay, which one do we think is the one that sticks? And that's how we were able to decide. But it was it was a nightmare almost, but it was a great nightmare because we had that ability to do that. Whereas before we would have never had that ability to take the time and develop that many. It would have been, okay, here's your time frame. You have to be done at this time. Um, you know, mm. and as uh, you, you know, with artists, we don't do well with um time frames we don't do well with a <laughs> deadline we just we just don't and it we don't produce the best pieces of our work when somebody says well it has to be done by such and such date because then you're just focused on that date and you know and i at least for me and i any type of work that i do i always say you know just tell me when you would like to have it and then i'll work on it but if you tell me that you have to have it at such and such date it's just not going to work out that way so it's, mm-hmm. for me, it's all about the language on how it's spoken is how I'll, I'll hear it. And that's has my creative flow. But but yeah, I do have to agree. This past year has been has been great for the art world, I think, because it gave people yeah. time and it gave them their own time that was not restricted or yes. taken away from other people. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had kids, I'm sure that was different. But 
um, even then, you know, your kids were be you're able to do what they wanted to do, and and they bothered you less, I guess. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm hoping that some of those changes that happened in the midst of this tragedy, right? I mean, it, right. You know, this happens. It's a strange paradox, right? That you know, there are these calamities that happen in the world, but a lot of times there's really you know, wonderful things that could not have happened without that calamity right. that yeah. happens, you uh -huh. know? And, you know, I think about it as it's almost an opportunity to sort of reset our lives. Yes. yes. And I hope that new sense of time sticks, right? You know, right. There's all this talk of people being really hesitant to get back to uh, going into an office for eight or 10 hours a day, you know, sitting in a, like uh -huh. environment where they're like, you know, doing yeah. the same thing they would be doing in an environment of choice. You know? Right. And, and, you know, I think that it, there's really, really interesting things that are going to happen in our society or around the world, really. Like, yeah. you know, once, you know, we get a handle on COVID and, you know, learn to either live with it or, you know, manage it or however, like whatever the solution ends up being there, you know, there are disruptions that happen. Right. You know, that, you know, you know, if you, you can go back to that growth mindset, you can take that disruption and say, you know, what's something wonderful that comes out of this? Because those 12 different versions of the documentary you were talking about. Yes. Yes. You probably have 12 versions of it that are all true. Uh-huh. Right? right. You know, they're all valid. But out of those in living with them, you know, what version of it do you feel is the story you want to tell? Wow. Right. And wow. to have that time to reflect on it. Yeah, absolutely. And we throughout the pandemic, we always preach to our listeners, you know, take take advantage of this time yeah. to discover what you really wanted to do. And if you thought at one point of your life that you had a dream and you couldn't fulfill it, well, now your life has given you that chance to go and fulfill it. So ask yourself mm -hmm. what dreams you want to follow and what, what you want your life to be now. Because since now that COVID's given people the time, it's opened up a lot of opportunities from a lot of different businesses mm -hmm. that just weren't there before. And, you know, yeah. and that's and that's one thing, because I I have seen people struggle they, with, you know, they've got these great these degrees and they go and work these minor jobs or these, you know, we're going nowhere jobs and they have these great degrees. And I'm like, OK, well, well, nothing was available when I graduated. Well, there it's available now. Go get it. And mm -hmm. they went yeah. after it, and they're so much happier yes. in life. And it's like, good, you took advantage of what needed to happen. So now you're able to yeah. live better. And so, yeah, I agree. I think there's pros and cons to everything. I think everything happens for its reason. And mm -hmm. I think that I don't want to say COVID was supposed to happen, but maybe um, by, by chance that COVID wasn't supposed to happen but needed to happen because it needed to get let the world wake up a little bit more and you know kind of take greed a little away from though how it's been running the world so 
you know it, it's that you just got to think of it in other than the way that uh, certain media puts it out or politics and everything else and you know yeah. you just have to find your reason for it so i agree i agree yeah yeah you know for us it it really fundamentally changed how we are able to communicate with students uh-huh. but it allowed us at the same time to maintain our mission, which right. is, you know, high quality art education, but also really warm, supportive communities because, you know, pre COVID we were an art studio in Southeast Michigan and people from the region would come and, you know, fill up our classes and learn. But, you know, as soon as COVID hit, we thought, ah, you know, we'll, we might be closed for a couple of months. We're going to move our classes online. So myself and the team of educators I work with, we didn't sleep for about two weeks. We figured out how to <laughs> move this all online really quickly because we figured people are going to be going through a loss. They're going to feel isolated. They're going to yeah. be dealing with, you know, the ramifications of this. And we didn't want them to lose their community as part of that. So we hustled really quick to move all of our classes online. And we are just now starting to offer some in-person and some hybrid things, but we're definitely keeping the online stuff because now we work with students from not only across the country, but across the globe. And that would not have happened, you know, without COVID, but, you know, we just, you know, I spent some time working with a young lady in Prague who was trying to get into art school in London and there's just no way we would have been able to work together. Uh-huh. Right. You know, if not for moving all the content online. You know. Wow. Wow. I mean that's amazing. And talking about that, um, Todd, working with students of all ages and ability levels, um, what mm-hmm. are the similarities and differences in how art influences well being? Thank you for that question. I absolutely love that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> first, I, I really do. Thank you for that. Um, so one of the things that I see about working with students of different ages, say, because our studio, our studio, you know, our youngest student is six, our oldest is 87. Um, oh, wow. So we got people from a broad range of, you know, experience levels, demographics, ages, um, you know, some have been painting for years, some have never picked up a paintbrush before. But one of the things that I see over and over again is this vulnerability that people will sometimes, you know, exhibit when they come into learn. Like one of the most common phrases that I hear in the studio is that's uh-huh. beautiful but I can't do this or, you know, I can't draw a circle or a straight line, you know? And the idea is that, you know, if we pivot that to, you know, back to a growth mindset and say, well, you don't need to yet, you know, we're kind of, we're here, we're supportive of this, you know, what we've got your back. It allows people to, get the chatter out of their own head yeah, and sort of trust themselves a little bit to do that. And that's something that I see across, you know, all these different demographics, um, you know, and once that chatter sort of quieted down, one of the things that 
really, I love seeing, you know, day in and day out, whether it's on our online classes or as we're starting to move into, you know, welcoming people back into the physical studio is that, you know, there's these benefits that come from creative thinking, right? You know, it reduces mm-hmm. stress, it empowers people, you know, they end up having agency when they are problem solving and they can take that to other parts of their lives. But one of the things I really, really love about how art in this sort of setting influences well-being is the connections that people make. You know, yes. when, I, right. when I first set up the studio, I came across this study from Brigham Young University and uh-huh. it was heartbreaking to read. You know, and I just read a updated version of it, which is even worse, um, <laughs> you know, but it has to do with social isolation in the United States. Mm-hmm. And initially they were saying that 40% of people in the U.S. see themselves as socially isolated, which means that if there's a significant event in their lives, they don't have anyone they would share it with, you know. Wow. Um, and, you know, like the most recent information about that that I could find was from uh, a survey done by Cigna Insurance, and it said that 61% of American adults say they always or sometimes feel lonely. And it's just so sad to me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, where you've got all these people out looking for the same thing, even though, you know, this person over here might be in their 70s and this person over here is in their mid 20s and you know they're meeting in the studio and those differences in demographics vanish when you're sort of interacting with the person and not the the demographics yes mm-hmm. right? you know it's like there's a really sweet relationship between one of our i want to say she's maybe 84 85 years old and one of our 13 year olds where like this 13 year old picked up I don't know maybe five or six extra grandmothers just from coming and painting in the <laughs> studio and you know like, it's just it's such a really sweet thing to see because it's good for both of them right you know? so um I think for me I love seeing how art making problem solving and you know those benefits of sort of trusting yourself and you know meeting a problem as not being something to worry about, but as an opportunity to solve something I love, but also the, like where the magic really happens Mm -hmm. is when people are doing those things in a welcoming community. Like it's, they're just great together. Right. Like peanut butter and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love how you bring up connection and I love support because um, how I look at, I mean, again, for our listeners, the quality that your students are producing is high quality. I mean, and that's just, I mean, to describe it, I wouldn't even say, <laughs> it's basically like, like Chris had said, you're looking at a photograph and then you like second glance, you're like, what? And then like, if you're zooming in on it or you're just looking at it from afar, it still looks like a photograph. So what I'm wondering is how do you feel like looking at what your students 
are creating? Like, do you feel like giddy, like a little kid? Or do you feel like, wow, I bring this, all these artists together. And like you said, all the demographics and the differences, they all vanish. And it's like they're in there as a one. I mean, how are, how are you feeling about that? I absolutely love what I get to do every day. I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world in terms of the work I get to do. Um, for me, I've always worked with the idea that if you care about something, you pass it on. Uh-huh. Right? You treat it like a hot potato. Nobody wants to be the guy whose an idea dies in your hands. Right? Right. <laughs> so it's right. Like, you know, if you know, if an idea is important to you or there's something you care about, you care for it by making sure other people can care for it too, you know? So with us, you know, we've got, you know, a lot of diversity in our teaching staff, you know? So we've got people who work in sort of a neo-French academic way of painting and drawing. And then we've got people who are, using new technologies you know one of our instructors and i love this he he works in this beautiful drawing technique where you know it's got a lot in common with classical drawing but it uses a lot of technology too i mean photography and those sorts of things uh-huh. but he also teaches an iphone photography class oh. and it's a brand new art form you know it's yeah. something that really didn't exist 10 years ago. And, you know, the work that people produce in that class, you know, is, spills over into other classes. So all of our instructors, whether they're, you know, got a phenomenal short form drawing instructor, which is someone who works with a lot of gesture and movement in her drawings, and they're fast. It's totally different than how I paint. You know, right. I, I'm, I'm a slowpoke. I lose every art race that there ever is. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love that each of those instructors, even though they make very different work, there's a thread that runs throughout all that and that they absolutely love what they make and love being able to instill that in their students. And I fall into that same category, wow. you know, that when I look at what people make, it's not only about what they make, but the story of how they got there. That yeah. I just absolutely feel so lucky to be able to do this work. Right. Well, you know, you you bring that up with the cell phones. The cell phones is a new way of producing things now, and it's funny mm-hmm. because we've gone we we list a lot of the behind the scenes of our documentary, and um, most of. Everything that is in that documentary was either shot by a cell phone or was mm. done by a drone or it was footage that we pulled off of a VHS tape. Yep. And, you know, everybody's like, what? You didn't have a camera? Chris like, nope. This is stuff we've been documenting our entire life. We, at one point when we first started doing this, we... We told ourselves that we needed to, we were going to do video journals and different things like that. So we did. And here we are 20 something years later, using those video journals to tell our life that we thought one day we were going to have to. And when people look at the footage from it actually being a cell phone, they're like, I would have never known. And it's like, yeah, that's how sophisticated technology has gotten. And yeah. it was, it's got certain techniques and 
Uh, so yeah, so it's a new wave of technology, but that's interesting because there's not many cell phone photography classes out there in the world right now. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's really really good. So I have to. I, I wanted to. I want to ask this really quick. So how long did it take, or does it take in general, to do one of these paintings, specifically the dress? Yes. I want to know about oh. that dress. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because the first time I saw that dress, that was the first picture that popped up, and I was like, okay, this is a this is a photo. I thought you were sending me a photo. And you have to look, and you have to look, and you have to, you have to keep looking closer until you figure out, okay, this is not. So how long does it take to do something like that? So um, for, say, that painting in particular, like in particular, uh-huh. um, or specifically, that one, I spent about six months working on that while teaching at the same time. So wow. for that painting, I designed that dress and had it sewn. Oh. And then um, I set it up in my studio. And what I would do is I would teach during the day. So uh-huh. I would have a bunch of students and, you know, they were painting side by side with me. So it wasn't just me slugging away at it, you know, so they uh-huh. weren't, you know, uninterrupted painting hours. So I would go work with students, invite them over to watch how I was painting so they could learn visually, wow. you know, by just seeing it applied. And then after, you know, everyone had gone home for the evening, I would bring it out and turn on lights and paint it from life, you know. But wow. I would say in terms of hours, I don't know, it's maybe, maybe about 200 hours to paint something like that. Wow. But what that is, it's a life-size painting. It's like seven feet by five feet. Oh, wow. So, um, so it's, I, it's hard to get the scale, uh-huh. um, yeah. you, know, you know, from a photo. But when you see it in person, it really does um, have the presence of being a real physical dress. Actually, it's funny. I've only shown it twice. And uh, the second time I had shown it, someone came up and they told me that they thought someone had just cut a dress in half and put it in a, a box and hung it on the wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they got about six inches away from it. And they're like, oh, my God, that's a painting. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Um, but <laughs> That's how um, we thought. Yeah. We were sitting there going, okay, all right, this is a photograph. And and you just had to look so close. It's so detailed. And again, that's not, it's throughout the entire portfolio. Yes, Everything yes. is so detailed. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wow. I mean, we've, we've known some artists in our time and it definitely puts them to shame because it's like, wow, <laughs> these guys are, these guys, you're, you're like, and you know, I was, I'm, I was so tempted to send a link to the portfolio to them, but I know it would piss them off. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there's, I'll say this, there's a lot of different ways to create, you know, um, there are things, you know, one of our instructors last year, um, not last year, the year before, excuse me, was in a car crash. So I subbed for her for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And the way that she draws is totally different than how I draw. Uh-huh. And her students were telling me, like, there are many times where she would have, like, you know, rebuked me for drawing how I was doing that uh-huh. because it's just, it's a different sort of thing. But, um, you know, she's very 
you know, fast, you know, she'll finish a drawing by the time I've finished setting up my pencils, you know? And that's one of the great things about art though, is that it really is, you know, infinite possibilities. You know, it's when I've taught say at colleges, you know, what I would do is there'd be certain assignments that, you know, each class would have to go through and do. So each semester I'd say, okay, we're going to do this classical drawing. Here's the reference. And each of those drawings were as distinctive and individualized as those students' thumbprints, you know. And when you think about the idea that every piece of art, you know, every artist makes, it's the only time in the universe that that's existed or will ever exist. So it's, I mean, it's, I've got the thing that I do that I love and, you know, I really enjoy doing, but, you know, I if I go to a museum, the first thing I go to is not stuff that looks like mine. I, I, I go to Van Gogh every time. Yeah. I, I just, I stand in front of those paintings and I'm baffled at how he did what he did. Right. I agree. I agree. And that's amazing that as an artist that you can look at another artist's work and still feel that baffled feeling. I think that's really mm. interesting because again, the techniques are different and yet you're just looking at it in either in awe or in like i don't know like how did this even come about i mean that's to me i think that is that says that there like you had mentioned there are so many different techniques but yet what's created is a work of art and whoever Mm -hmm. did it you know they wanted to do it not because they had to do it yeah 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 and you know and then when i say with the other artists you know that doesn't mean that i'm comparing the two but the fact that their styles are so different as you would say Mm -hmm. and you know their art is is incredible their style of what they do and how they do it it's good it's good but at one point of our life we were like oh okay nothing can be beat but from what we see from your style and then looking at other styles, it's like, okay, well, there is no way to defeat each other because everybody's got some sort of uniqueness to it in a way. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that these are like, uh, your paintings pretty much start out with like a still life. It's like a still life painting. Am I correct? Well, it depends. So I work in a lot of different ways. Um, as an artist, over the years, I've worked as a commercial artist doing giant murals. I did glass carving for years, stained glass. Um, there was a period where I was painting little tiny icons that uh-huh. apply gold leaf to and, you know, wrap in copper clad boxes. And I've done giant paintings that are eight feet by 20 feet. And it's all different. Uh-huh. You know, it really, you know, you know, for myself, what I like to do just for my own enjoyment and, but it's great because I can bring this back to my students, but every piece I do, there's an experiment in it. You know, sometimes it's a small experiment where I'm going to change a brush or change a tube of paint. And then other times it's a wildly different right. um, way of making what I was making. So there's a image of a fawn sleeping that I'd sent you guys. And, that uh-huh. drawing's almost as tall as me, 
you know, and I'm six wow. foot three. So, it, wow. you know, so it's a big drawing with all these big sweeping marks. And as I was drawing this, it was driving me absolutely crazy because it was a brand new way of drawing for me. And the uh-huh. materials didn't work exactly how I thought that they were going to work. And uh-huh. I couldn't erase anything off of it. It was too sticky. Uh-huh. So after about two months of pounding my head against the studio wall, I came up with a solution for it and it's opened up a whole new body of work for me, but I would not have come on, you know, this body of work if I didn't have the frustration and the problem solving, you know, to get to it. So, you know, it's, so for me, you know, for some, the paintings they're done in sort of a, three, 400 year old technique that, you know, has been around for that long because it works really, really well. And that's one of the things that if someone comes in and paints with me, you know, that's the first technique that I teach them because there's a lot of other ways of making art baked Uh into that. So by learning one painting, they're really learning five or six different ways to paint. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, it's sort of equipping them with tools so that they can then take those tools and, you know, dial into kind of what you were saying earlier, how, you know, each of these artists, you know, they see things in their own way, you know? So Uh it's sort of what my goal as an art teacher is, is to create resources for my students, you know, to create, you know, agency, you know, and for them to trust, you know, the quality of what they're going to make, not only in terms of, how the objects put together, but whether it's an authentic piece to them too. So, Uh wow, that's incredible. I like that. So what, what do you guys do when they're done with the paintings? Do do they go in uh, a showing a museum or they sold or all of the above? All of the above. We've got students who, um, you know, come to us for different reasons. You know, so we've got, artists that come that want to start careers and then they'll take the work that they've made and exhibit it or sell it. We've got artists that would never dream of parting with a painting that they've made because Uh it's exactly what they want in their own lives. Um, One of the audiences that I really, really love working with in terms of what they do with their artwork afterwards is our high school students Uh Uh, because, you know, it's a time in their lives where a little bit of advocacy and belief in them can make a huge difference in their quality of life. I had a student who I used as a guinea pig for my portfolio program, (laughs) to Uh be completely honest. He knew it too at the time, so he was okay with it. But he had come to me because he had tried to get into a design program, a really competitive one. And he was self-taught. You know, he came from a very small high school that was, uh-huh. you know, I think there was maybe 12 people and it's not what he wanted in his life, but that's what his parents wanted for him. So it was right. sort of a semi-homeschooled sort of thing and they just had to go along with it because that's just what happens with you as a high school student, right? right. So yeah. he had gone to this design program with drawings of cars that he just had copied out of magazines onto printer paper and was told, kid, this is people come from around the world to get into this program. You know, you're not 
fair. You like maybe you could get in and, and then work your way into the program or what have you. So he was frustrated and sort of crestfallen. And uh-huh. I told him, well, you got nothing to lose. Why don't you let me experiment on you? <laughs> uh-huh. this idea for how to put together a portfolio for college admission. And we worked together for about six months and built a beautiful portfolio. And he went back and got offered admission to that school and a $54,000 scholarship. Wow. Which he turned down. <laughs> he said, no, thank you, because he also got into his dream school and they offered him, I want to say it was $78,000 in scholarship funds. Wow. You know, so, and we can't guarantee that for every student. Right. Yeah. But we do have a really strong record of, you know, making a difference in people's lives, you know, in terms of, you know, trying to understand each artist's goal, what they're working towards and, you know, supporting that, you know, so it's, it's a wonderful population to work with. So would you say that that's what excites you most about what you do? Oh, I love it all, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to choose a, a favorite, right? Um, right. But you know, I, I love, you know, seeing people trust themselves and kind of find, you know, agency in their own lives through yeah. initially, you know, in their art. But, you know, once you learn to trust yourself in one aspect of your life, it tends to spill over to other aspects mm. too. So I think it's really, really beneficial that way. I love seeing the relationships that people make at the, studio we had um there was a woman who was studying with us who had a spinal cord injury and uh-huh. you know we'd worked together for several years and she came you know even after her health deteriorated to um you know part of it was for her community but part of it was to manage her pain uh-huh. too yeah. so there's this thing that happens when you're creating you know, called flow state, right? Where you lose a sense of time and space and, you know, the world figuratively that you're occupying isn't in the wheelchair necessarily. It's in the canvas, you know, and it was a really, really, you know, wonderful thing to see in her life. She eventually passed away and, you know, how the community responded to it is they went and they finished her last painting, which was this giant, painting of hippos you know she liked to paint animals and you know what we did is we set up in the studio and it was such a big painting that we'd have students paint on it two at a time and you know they did all of the underwork and then at the very end I went in and finished it and we presented it to her husband but the bonds that these people make with one another it's just it's you know it fills me with optimism about what the world looks like. You know? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So tell everybody where they can find the studio and get online classes. I think you said you guys are offering now. Yeah, absolutely. So if um, they are in Southeast Michigan, we're in Royal Oak, but most uh-huh. of our classes right now are online and they can find us at atelierart.studio and that's spelled A T E. L-I-E-R-A-R-T dot studio or we're on Facebook which is Atelier Art Studio Royal Oak or they can find us on Instagram under Atelier Art Studio also. 
Chris. Uh-huh. If you ever want to come draw, you come draw on my dime. I would love to have you oh. in there and you could see what we're doing. So if you ever, you know, feel the need to pick up a pencil or you're curious about what your drawing would be like at this point in your life, I extend the invitation to both you and Will. Wow. I would love to have you guys. Oh, well, wow. nice. Uh, we probably will take you up on that offer because, you know, we would love to have a painting. Uh, we would love to have one. So what better way to have one but us being taught how to do it ourselves? So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I will definitely uh, let you know about that because um, that would be, yeah, that would be a great honor. Thank you for that. Yes. We really appreciate wow. that. And I'm going to take my daughter to see the documentary. Well, thank I, I think you. she would love it. I would love it. So where can I find details on when and where? Will that be on you guys? It's going to be on our or... website at chrisandwill.com. To be able to see you guys in person. This sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Todd, we thank you so much for this opportunity yes. and for the offer for the classes. And, and you know, I, I again, this is just a thrill. It's, it's, it's wow. I can't get past the... The just uh, overabundance of wow, yes, of what I've seen, and wow. just the thought of being able to do that ourselves is just even a bigger wow, you know. So thank well, you for that. I immensely enjoyed it. Absolutely, my privilege to talk with both of you guys today. I'm going to tell you, I am waiting and waiting impatiently to get started on drawing together. Ooh. Yes. In fact, you know, we have to go up, up north to Michigan to see them, to do some stuff with them. And let me tell you, it's going to be cold. Cold? (laughs) Cold? Cold? Did I say it was going to be cold? It's going to be cold. (laughs) You know? And two Florida boys in shorts, mind you. Playing in the snow. <laughs> you know, we're going to be fine, though. Seriously. Well, I hope so. Because, you know, I, I don't want to have to come back to Florida and defrost. <laughs> well, we do want to thank Todd for coming on our show and giving us another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. And don't forget to go to their website at artillierschoolofart.com. We also have a link on our website as well. And also, remember, guys, go to our official website, chrisandwill.com. Follow us on Instagram at chris.and.will and on Facebook under The Real Prince Charming. And we do want to thank all of you for joining us and keeping us going, of course. Remember to take care of yourself and always remember we love you, we thank you, and remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. Have a great holiday season and thank you for making our holiday celebration a successful one. Almost couldn't talk there, you know? It's been our pleasure to have received your precious time. Yes, yes. So, but you know, you guys, gosh, unfortunately, we gotta go. But until next time, bye. Bye. Today's episode was a Chris Will production, broadcasted on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast media platforms. Show hosts, Christopher L. Ante and William Ante. Show guest, Todd Burroughs. Chris Will Show assistant, Ginger Lux Ross. Chris Will Show creative consultant, Tony Ross. Show introduction voiceover, Tony Ross. Business management, Janet Dickinson Menard. Recorded at the Chris Will Studios in Celebration, Florida. Produced by Chris Will, a Cali, New York company. Copyright Chris Will, all rights reserved. ChrisandWill.com for brand details. Produced December 2021.